0: Tonight we've got an assignment before us to uh, look at week six, Connect 301. We're on a journey. We've talked about the three levels of leadership. We've talked about three requirements for leadership, that we are called to be authentic leaders. We're to have proper attitudes when we lead, and that proper attitude leads us to a place where God can use us. And then last week, Pastor Peak talked about the power of a renewed mind, that we need to be renewing our mind. We, we can't just go through life and let um, things from the outside, from the, from the enemy, infiltrate our mind. And we need to stand strong and we need, to, we need to trust God. We need to learn how to renew our mind. We do that with the Word of God. And tonight we're going to look at the kind of leader that God is looking for. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and that's where we'll start tonight. And uh, again, it's great to have each and every one of you here. In Matthew chapter 9, I love this. Jesus, uh, he describes the state of our community. Listen to what he says. Uh, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news for the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Wow. All right. So there were people that were sick. There were people that were hurting. And Jesus went through and he healed them all. And he touched them all. And when he saw the crowds, God didn't just blow them off. Jesus didn't just blow them off. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Do you know anyone that's helpless like a sheep without a shepherd? Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And what I want you to see is that God, He sees our community as a harvest field, as a field ripe and ready to be harvested. To let God to, to, to be to, that souls are ripe and ready to be picked and to be saved. People are searching for something and we have the answer. But it takes the right kind of person to make those connections, to make those uh, type of God-ordained moments. And so what kind of leader is God looking for? Well, God's Word says, be holy as I am holy, right? In 1 Peter, you can read it. So if that's the case, God must be looking for perfect people, right? Well, let me give you some examples of some perfection in quotes from the Bible. Let's think about uh, Noah, first of all. He was considered a perfect man. In fact, he wrote about himself saying he was the most humble person. And there's a a verse in Genesis, he says he was a perfect man. But then that perfect man, what happened the next day? (laughs) Wound up drunk, naked, and exposed. You can look it up, students. (laughs) It's It's an interesting story. What about Job? It was described that Job was a perfect man. In fact, when God was, or when Satan was looking for someone to attack, he said, well, you wouldn't let me attack Job. Job was a perfect man. But what's interesting, when you study Job's life, he was afflicted with fear. And he let fear grip him and change his mindset. How about David? David was considered to have a perfect heart for God, but he's out on his deck one day, and looking over the deck, he sees someone sunbathing or, or bathing. And it leads to adultery and to murder and to a cover-up. How about Solomon? Solomon, his, his early years were pretty perfect. Uh, God had really put his hand on his life and he asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. But by the end of his life, he had 300 wives, 700 girlfriends. Let me just say, that is messed up. And uh, when you look at Scripture, the only person in Scripture that was perfect was Who? was Jesus. That's right. And so I want you to know that you don't have to wait to be perfect to lead or to serve the Lord. Think about the disciples that Jesus picked. He didn't pick p- perfect people. He picked common, ordinary men that had a heart to serve. Think of Peter. Peter was well, one of those that were picked out, and, and put, but man, over and over, the Lord... He actually cast out a demon or or said, get behind me, Satan, at one point. And then Peter says, I will stand with you till the end. And then the next moment, he's denying him later that night. How about the Apostle Paul? We kind of esteem him as one of the great. But Paul, he talks about his life having a thorn in his flesh. And there's lots of controversy of what does that mean. But whatever it was, he wasn't perfect. And what I conclude, when you look at Scripture, when you think about what kind of people or what kind of person is God looking for to use for His glory and His honor, He cannot be looking for perfect people. So if you're not perfect tonight, which none of us are, you are a candidate to be used by God in your school, in your work, in your family, in this community and across the globe. That's what God wants. He is looking for people, not that are perfect, but He's looking for people with a perfect heart towards Him. The harvest is plentiful. He's looking for harvesters, servant-hearted, teachable, people that love Him. He's looking for master-level leaders with positive attitudes, with renewed minds that are authentic-type leaders, people with perfect hearts toward Him. And what I want you to know tonight is the way you have a perfect heart. A perfect heart is a surrendered heart, doing things God's way, not doing them your own way. You think about Moses early in his in his life. He had he had a, the same heart for God and for the um, for the Israelite people that were in slavery. He understood that, and he watched one day. One of his own being mistreated, but he didn't do it God's way, first of all. He took things into his own hands, and he killed an Egyptian soldier. The next day, he went out, and they exposed him for that, and he ended up fleeing for 40 years. But then God restored him. He surrendered. He said, okay, God, I'll do it your way. And God led him to, the, to Pharaoh and led, led him through the ten plagues and led the children of Israel out of slavery, but it took 40 more years because he just chose originally to do it his own way. So you say, well, how do I know God's will? How do I live a surrendered life? How does that happen? Well, tonight I'm going to share with you how that, happened, how that happens. A surrendered heart must know and study God's Word. You have to know God's Word in order to give someone something of value. You need to know what God's word says, and then be able to communicate that, and to be able to share that with power and with boldness. Look at what Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen and seventeen says. Turn with me there. Second Timothy chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen. I love these verses. It says this: All Scripture, we're talking about God's word, leads to, uh, a surrendered heart uh, knows God's word. It says God's word. Uh, The Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God or the woman of God or the student of God be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, guys, the, the Word of God equips us to make a difference. And a surrendered heart knows God's word and is committed to study, to know his heart, to see his plan. And we see that revealed in God's word, the word of God. Now, some people will be like, well, I just pray a lot and I don't read the Bible a whole lot. I'm just going to pray for an hour a day and I'm going to hear God's word or I'm going I'm to know God's word because I'm going to spend time praying. Now, what, what is it, what, what about that? Let's think about that for a moment. If you're just praying, 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 and you don't get into God's Word, that is unhealthy. Now, flip side, there are people that say, well, I'm just going to trust, I'm just going to know God's Word, I'm going to study, I'm going to study, and you spend no time in prayer. That's no good either. We need prayer and the Word of God working together to make us effective. It's in God's Word that we, we know what his will and his plan revealed. And we need to pray and seek his timing and his favor on our lives to be effective as well. So let me give you some tips. How do we learn? How do we get into God's word? Well, there's a couple things. Well, Isaiah, 1, Isaiah 28 says that we learn precept upon precept, a little here and a little there. Now, none of you, I don't expect any of you, to go out and uh, eat you know, enough food for a month In one sitting. That would make you sick. And the same is true when it comes to God's Word. A little here, a little there, daily will feed your soul. Precept upon precept, line upon line, Isaiah 28 says. Another tip is to maximize your study, to find a place that you can study and not fall asleep. How many know that sometimes, let me just say, for me, if I'm studying in in my bed, and it's late at night, and I got the lamp on next to me, and I'm kind of cozy and got the covers on, and I'm feeling nice and warm, and the heater, the, the vent, kind of comes up my back, and I'm like, ooh, that feels good. And I'm trying to do my Bible reading, and I'm trying to study. The next thing you know, I'm studying the back of my eyelids. <laughs> and I'm sleeping and snoring, and Jessica's hitting me and saying, turn off the light, right? And so you need to find a place that you can study. A good tip is to find a place that's well lit, Something with a big, bright light bulb. Turn it on and so you don't fall asleep. Also, when you study, it's so important that you have a pen or a highlighter in your hand. You will retain more when you are actively reading and highlighting what God's Word says. Now, some people are like, well, I don't want to mark up God's Word. Well, for me, I say go for it. Mark up your Bible. If you look at my Bible, there are all kinds of markings in that and, uh, from people that have preached and I've taken notes to underline my own notes and, and uh, I've got my kids' names in different places in the Bible when there's promises about kids and, and just all kinds of things. Mark up your Bible. And then, we've been talking about this recently on Sunday, start to journal, start to write out your prayers, because it's those prayers combined with God's Word that leads to a surrendered heart. It's together that makes us effective. Say, why is it important? Why is it important to study? Why is it important to pray? Well, study and prayer leads to stability. And I believe that's one of the, uh, study leads to stability, and I want to talk about being stable here for just a moment, and we'll be wrapping up here shortly. When we, when we study, when we read, when we read God's Word or we read other, other uh, important books into our lives, it leads us to stability. Many Christians are very changeable. They're very with the wind. The wind blows this way or this way, and their moods go up and down, or they operate on their feelings only. Well, listen, master level type leaders, the type of leaders that, that God is looking for to use are steady and are stable. Not the type of there that they have good intentions and, and, have, and maybe dream big and with no follow through, but God is looking for people that are steady and stable. Being unstable, I believe, prevents God from using us to the fullest potential. Do you know someone like that, that that's just kind of up and down and all around, and you never know if they're going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude? Or you know someone that, that you, maybe at school that, that just, you know, is always, you, you, they wear their feelings on their sleeve? Just imagine if I, you know, I, I try to be up most of the time, and, uh, you know, I try not to let the day that I've had or the morning I've had affect me too bad. If I came to church on Sunday morning and I just was down and I just stood up and I said, hey, church, I, I didn't fall asleep last night till four in the morning because my stomach was rumbling. I got bad gas or my breath stinks or my ear hurts or, you know, whatever the case might be. I mean, you, don't, you guys don't want to hear about my problems. <laughs> we want, you're looking for someone that that is up, and most of the time I am. But if I am feeling down, I want to. I want to be able to break through that and continue to lead well. There are times I can be vulnerable and I can, and I can share my weaknesses or, or things where I'm struggling, and, and I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But strong master-level leaders are people that are stable, that are not up and down, and you never know which way they're coming or going. Let's look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 for a second. It, uh, really, uh, when we look at that verse in Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If we're going to be stable people, which I believe God wants us to be, we need the Word of God. It teaches us to discern between the emotional and the spiritual. Now, the reality is, how often do you feel a hundred percent? Just think about it. How how much of the of your life are you feeling like, yeah, I'm on the top of my game, a hundred percent? Maybe twenty percent of the time, <laughs> maybe thirty if you're if you're good. I, I was thinking about that, and uh, I was th- I think the older I get, the less I feel on top of my game. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if anyone else relates to that, but it, you know what? If we don't feel 100%, we still are required to do the right thing. We must do the things, the right things because they're right and not because we feel like it. And what happens is when we start to do the right thing, even if we don't feel like it, we are stable type people that God can use. His hand is upon us. And I believe that the bottom line is that God is looking for people with perfect hearts toward Him who... Which is seen by those who have surrendered hearts. It's another fill-in, and people who study His Word, and these qualities live or uh, lead to lives of stability, not moody or changeable, but steady and stable. And the reason this is so important goes back to that very first verse that we that we read: that the harvest is plentiful. Just say that with me: the harvest is plentiful. One more time, the harvest is plentiful. That means there are people that are ready to receive Christ. Souls are ripe for the picking, but the laborers are few, it says. And we're God is looking for men and women and young people that are committed to make a difference in this world and for eternity. Do you believe it? Are you that kind of leader? My prayer is that you will you are becoming that kind of leader, that you are that kind of leader that can rise up and be steady and be surrendered in your heart to not be perfect, but to have a perfect heart toward God. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you are calling us to stability. Lord, to be people with a heart after you. Lord, thank you for using imperfect people. Thank you for using me God, we don't deserve your grace or your mercy, but Lord, you give it freely. And God, tonight I pray that our hearts would be encouraged by the fact that we can make a difference when we surrender our hearts to you, when we study and when we pray. Lord, that we intersect those two, and Lord, that you can use us in mighty ways. God, help us to learn, to grow, to be people that when you're searching the earth, for people to look for and to use for your glory, that you would pick us. Pick these students that are here that are studying. Pick these, these young couples that are here that are studying. God, pick these uh, older folks that, that love you and want to be used by you. Pick those of us that are that are single or married or whatever the case might be. Lord, pick us, God. Choose me for your glory, for your honor. We pray it all. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you.